0: Thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your Word. We're grateful for the beautiful day. Thank you for all the things that have gone on in our lives for Rosemary and the Connect family. Thank you for Hannah's wedding coming up here next weekend. Another big thing for the Connects. We'd ask that you bless all the prep for that. And thank you for the Word this morning in your Son's name. Amen. I was, <clears throat> I was oppressed this last week uh, taking care of my father more than my fair share. The filial piety had to uh, overwhelm me. So I had to think of things to talk to him about. You know, can't talk about my sins or anything. So... Uh, One morning, which morning it was, there was a verse on my mind my mother used to quote a lot. The years of our life are three score and ten, or even by reason of strength, four score. And it was always, you know, one of those verses, like a Ben Franklin quote, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. It was this um, hat tip to the finitude of human life at a certain point. Seventy or eighty years. And for some reason I was thinking about it the other might have been Tuesday morning and I said, Where Father, where where was the what's the reference for that? Of course, the encyclopedia went on and he he said Psalm 90. And uh, so I was thinking about it the rest of the week for a number of reasons. You can't take care of a gentleman who's in his nineties, be sixty-three yourself. Um, hear about the what's the word the uh, tragic early death of certain famous people by suicide um, uh, Anna Barry dying and, and then we had the loss of both uh, uh, was it Morgan's uh, what's her husband's uh, Monique. Monique's uh, baby and uh, then a Berry child Andrew Barry's uh, wife lost their child in utero and with that uh, those things marching on and boy, life at 63 marches on and maybe young people think boy, summer, it's forever it's like a quick, short three months and then you're a little bit older, all of a sudden I'm 64, not 63 Very quickly, people catch a clue that life is over really fast. People want to know what to do with themselves. What's the point? Why am I doing this? Whether you're Solomon or, or Bradley asking for prayer in Paris, what am I going to do? I had another guy stop by this week who... I, I, I haven't met uh, someone so angsted out about what, what no plans he had. He had a college degree, didn't know what to do. I don't know if it's more nowadays than other times, but I think it's old enough to be uh, a passage of scripture. Now, as a Psalm, Psalm 90. <laughs> is not one of David's psalms. It's a lot older than David. It's a psalm of Moses. It says that at the top. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. So automatically, take yourself, you're in 1000 BC, mentally, with Asaph or David, and you got a shove in the solar plexus. You're knocked back 400 years. The people of Israel coming up out of the land of Egypt. Now, I want to preface what I'm going to say with a quote from James. That's why that quote from James 4 is there on the side. But I didn't want to talk to you about, of it, about it out of James, because I think the way Moses speaks to it has its own interesting structure. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a the year there and trade and get gain whereas you do not know about tomorrow. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes happy birthday. Instead you ought to say, it didn't say happy birthday in the text. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, it's not in the text. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and we shall do this or that. As it is, You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Whoever knows what is right to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This sounds like an ultimate philosophical question about the nature of man in his world and his finitude and his mortality. And James, who is the brother of Jesus Christ, is lobbing one over into your lap and expecting you to go, okay, all right. I'll tell. You, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Marching orders. I am but a mist. Somebody was saying to me somewhere in the last few weeks about Caesars who would have was it Aurelius that had the guy that uh, follow after him and whisper in his ear, "You are but a man," or was it an all triumphs situation where somebody would ride along with the conquering general and say, "You are but a man." this is kind of a stark one of those biblical uh, I don't know if I like this I don't know if America likes this America we're we're can-do people we can pull it together we we were talking about this week uh, week on the front porch uh, Greg and Eric and I were talking about being attacked by the commies or whomever the Canadians but I repeat myself um, but we repeat ourselves, um, and how ready Americans are to, you know, really roll with whatever punch happens. You know, the whole internet could go down, and we just go, okay, that just sets us back 20 years. Let's do it again, you know. Uh. So we're a different mindset than perhaps um, James is in. But he tells you that such boasting is evil. It's not just, oh, unhealthy or not a good mindset. It's evil for you to presume on your future. He says, whoever knows what is right to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. It's, you should have this clear in your head. You should have worked through this. And the question is, what do you need to have To work through this. Because he's not saying, go home, go off to a monastery, don't do anything. He's not saying, don't achieve anything. Because he says, if I say, I will go to thus and such a town. He says, no, you say, if the Lord wills, I will go to thus and such a town. You still go to thus and such a town. You still make the plan to go to thus and such a town. If God wills. Allie and Hannah are off for Phoenix, just as she walks in. That's, that's the awful, you know it's a bad Sunday, when you become a sermon mention as you walk in the door. <laughs> Luckily it was positive. So we're somehow to have a specific Christian, Biblical handling of this. Because evil lies close at hand for something as simple as being responsible. Right? A responsible you're chatting with a friend you say well I'm uh, I'm flying to uh, where? Des Moines this week. I've got to make a deal for the company. And you should, your eyes should narrow and you say don't you think such boasting is evil? What are you, religious? What are you, overreacting? Because it sounds like an overreaction, right? But he told you, you say, God willing, I'm going to Des Moines. God willing, I will buy and sell and get gain. Because I am a mist. And that's the hint that we begin with in Psalm 90. On the right hand side, Psalm of Moses. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. Now, is this, I don't know how where in Moses' life this was written. It echoes something of the of uh, the psalm that he writes at the end of Deuteronomy before his death there's some lines that sound to some of these things but I, wouldn't, I you know, wouldn't bet any money on it doesn't really matter when he wrote it but he's not he's not really saying that oh we Jews have been you know into this God for a long time, for generations because he's it You know, he's writing this Judaism. He's the first guy. You know, Abraham was the first Jew. You know, the covenant of God to Abraham. But there is no Judaism. The law of Moses, Moses wrote. The experience coming out of Egypt, going to Mount Sinai, the Exodus, the Numbers, the Leviticus, the Deuteronomy, all that stuff is Moses. So, when he says, you've been our dwelling place for all, in all generations, he's not really talking about them as a religious set that we have always, because they didn't have the temple of God. They didn't build the tabernacle till Moses came along. So, he can't claim from all generations that kind of dwelling place. But there could be a general thing that God, we exist, in, what does it say in Acts? In him we live, move, and have our being. When Paul was quoting um, Epimenides, in him we live, move, and have our being. This is all, I, you might have different degrees of viewpoint of how close the God touches everything, but he made everything, and he built I was listening to that awful, 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 awful Jefferson Starship song, uh, Built This City. is oh. Well, God built this world, regardless what Grace Slick may have said about San Francisco being built on rock and roll. This world was built by our God from everlasting to everlasting, and in all generations, we have dwelt in him. One of the translations says, Our refuge is in him, not dwelling place. So Moses sets that up. Says, look, God has God measures, spans everything. He is the guide to all that is. And second thought, verse three thou turnest man back to the dust, and sayest, turn back, O children of men. So on one hand, you've heard the phrase dust to dust, ashes to ashes. You ever have a problem with that, realizing that at some point, they're gonna bury your sweet self in some plot of ground that your husband or wife purchased, they'll put up a little stone from Garling House Memorials, and it'll say something tender, probably, the best of men and the years. And your body, you hope that they don't have to dig you up for some legal case and check your fingerprints, because they won't be there. You'll be dust. Quickly. I, I watch enough murder shows to know that after two weeks in the wild, dead bodies seem to <laughs> be gone. You know, they, 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 uh, they decompose almost completely, fast. Yeah, they could do the Egyptian thing for you, you know. This lead-lined casket fill you with formaldehyde. (coughs) Hope that you'll be resurrected at the Day of the Just with only a slight formaldehyde smell. Um, I did work when I was young in college in an uh, anatomy-physiology lab, which we did work on cadavers and the formaldehyde was, you know, hip deep. And it, it, it kept them for many, 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 many years, tragically. You did not want them kept. You kind of wanted to break into the lab and steal all the bodies and give them a decent Christian burial. But they had donated their bodies to science. That's what we're, you, I don't know if that ever freaks you out, what's gonna to happen to you? Memory on a tombstone, and a, maybe after a couple centuries, some charm to your descendants that they go looking for great granddad and what, what old Idaho cemetery he's buried in. But you know, for God, verse 4 for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. That's what a thousand years is like. Oh, you, probably that passage in Peter springs to mind for a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day that's, per, that's First Peter so as he says, the whole world stands in God this is the place of God you've heard me say probably recently that there is no distinction between the material and spiritual world, we're all in the same world you just don't see it all and this is God's world that he made, and you stand in it. You stand in his place. And now, let's look at the durational comprehension that you need to have here. You stand in him. All that is, is in his creation. In him, you live and move and have even being. Now, you're going to be dust. Now, 63. It'll be 64 this October. No, I'm not throwing a big party until I'm 64. Going to die soon. Hopefully, not before my father. Closer than a lot of you. I need to remember that. Because what is the sin that we're looking at? The the boasting that we are it's presumption, it's arrogance. That somehow, I am more permanent, I have real utility, I have real, somebody quoted the line, what was it, uh, was it Mark last week, yeah, reading the uh, scriptures, that somebody had said that the uh, cemeteries are filled with the graves of indispensable men. Uh, De Gaulle? Okay. And he's dead too. We're all going to be dead. And unless you're one of those really righteous people, let's say Enoch, Elijah, maybe you could be one of those. But for the rest of us, we're all going to be dead. Dust to dust. And God, at the meantime, is looking at this, going, oh, was that just yesterday? Was Charlemagne just yesterday? A thousand years ago? Like you wake up in the morning and think about the gig that we had last night. The rock and roll was good. The weather was great. That was just last night. And my God would be looking at Alfred the Great and going, oh, just last night. It was like a a dream, like a like the next day, like standing watch in the middle of the night. He's asking you to compare the two, that you are dust. God is the world in which you live, and you are dust in it. And he, on the other hand, doesn't even. And then he says, verse 5, thou dost sweep men away. They are like a dream, like grass, Which is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. You've heard that phrase somewhere else. The flower, grass withers; the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let's not be thinking about the word of God this time. Let's be thinking about the grass fading and you. We know that God continues from everlasting to everlasting. You need to be thinking about withering. Oh, even the passage I quoted out of First Peter, 2 Peter three, the, the, the thousand years, the day, the days of a thousand years. You've heard that verse brought up. It's usually brought up in some eschatological end of the world, get out of a difficulty, sort of proof text. Well, because with God, it's like a thousand years, the days of a thousand years. They've written, done that. They really just use it as a. Yeah, the time definition for God. Wow, it's hard for him to be, you know really sure what time it is because every minute's a thousand years. And so they take any time reference in the book of Revelation or whatever and just try to... Have it not be about that. Oh, You could maybe use it for something about that, but have it for this morning, have it not be about that. Have it be about the distinction between you and him. He, he, he and his circumstance. He does sweep men away. We dry up by the end of the day. When it tells you you are a mist in James that vanishes, you're supposed to be meditating in order to avoid the evil to avoid the arrogance and the presumption, to know what is right to do, you need to get a grip on it. And a lot of the temptations you find yourself under, especially men. You know, women will be worried for, you know, maybe physical ailments and life and their children. Men worry about having a point. You know, I'm a man, what's the point? You sort of feel that the guys that don't make it, some of the Nietzsche's of the world who go crazy or kill themselves, have men who couldn't take the torque of a rough-and-tumble world. Well, yeah, you're still dead, it's still going to happen, and it's going to seem like a very short time. I can't believe I'm 63. I, I still can't wrap my head around it. I look young, I know I look young. What I want you to do is looking at Psalm 90 because we're going towards that passage where he tells you, you yeah, know, you get 70 years if you're lucky, 80. Okay? For Evan, that's seven years away. Six and a half. Three score and ten. I don't know why they talk that way. Bible talk. Three score and ten. A score is 20. So three scores, 60, plus 10. Do the math. It's heading that way for us. And everything in this world is how comfortably healthy we are. How do I get to the place where I'm comfortably healthy? Whether it's modern, you know, corporate medicine, or is it alternative medicine, or is it working out in a gym, or is it... um, Meditation, I don't know. But underneath all those choices are the way we think of ourselves. Now, it says in verse 7 For we are consumed by thy anger, by thy wrath we are overwhelmed. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. Like that image. Our secrets, the light of his face. For all our days, verse 9, pass away under thy wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. Then he says, the years of our life are threescore and ten or even, by reason of strength fourscore, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. So there, happy birthday. So we don't often find the whole passage quoted. It's usually like the thousand years is a day thing thrown in there as a proof text for some other subject. And so you say, well, you think man has a destined length of, well, it says three score and ten. But it's toil and trouble. They're soon gone, and you're going to start to feel that. It reaches reaches terminal velocity. You start to die when you're 25. I don't know if you do that. Oh, you ladies, it's different for you girls. It was 18. But I know it just felt like that. Oh no, I'm not 18 anymore. That's right, and you're no longer desirable. It's just plummeting, and you reach a certain speed, and you, you know, your, 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 your friction against the air will maybe slow you down, but you're going to die. You're dropping. You can see it from where I am. You can see the ground coming at you. It's soon gone. And the thing he's throwing at us here is not only God is different than us and we don't have permanence, and and he says, and the God who is the everlasting to everlasting really, you know, frankly, doesn't like you. Does not like you. Now, I think this is broader than just, you know, Moses is talking. I want to make some things clear about Moses. Because it's odd, this is a psalm of Moses. Moses didn't start his ministry until he was 80. Oops. <laughs> didn't start his ministry until he was 80. And that's the outside limit of the length of life, right? if by reason of strength fourscore. You're going to make it here, Moses? Yeah, I'm already there. Let's start here. He makes it to 120. He's not talking about, and he may have written this at the end of his life, if that's the, the truth of the matter. Why did he say, hey, if you're lucky, you get to live six score"? That's 120. And when he died, this is at the end of Deuteronomy, when he died, God has him just go off and die. And he doesn't die of anything. The Lord, you know, kills him basically and buries him. God buries him. But it said, he didn't have anything wrong with him. He just went off and died. He was not allowed to go into the promised land because of his disobedience. So, there's some some confusion here. And he's also... um, I think I have it here on the side. I didn't realize I put it there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. He was striding around like, like a man, you know, still mowing the lawn, And God said, it's up, time's up, out you go. So he's talking, Moses is talking about Joe Average. Because his own experience is completely not this. Verse 11, who considers the power of thy anger? And thy wrath according to the fear of thee. Who, that's the question. Once you start to, to pile up these blocks on your desk for meditation during the week, you say, okay, all right. Evan said to think about this. I've got to consider this stuff. Who considers the power of thy anger? We don't always realize how upset God is with sin. It's so destructive to the world he made. Remember, this is all his place. You have your being in him, and you're spray-painting the walls. You're making blasphemous remarks. You're flipping God off. You're, and you think he's just sort of, well, he's just a, you know, a God who wants to save me from myself, but I know better. He's really upset. Hell sort of lets you know that, right? Ah, kind of upset. Kind of surprises people. Well, God would never do that. Well, you don't know God. He's really upset. Really upset. Now the passage I have here out of Ephesians two, it says, you basically, who's considering this fear of God of his wrath? According to the fear, that you're considering his wrath according to the fear. Ephesians 2, chapter 1, verse 1, and you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now, it didn't change when you went all New testament on it. God is, the reason Christ died is because the wrath of God rested on the world. And we all, like the rest of mankind, were children of wrath. Consider for a moment where you stand regarding who God is, who you are, how important your life is to you, how much you're serving your life, how wrong and how depressed you're going to be when you get to Evan's age. Because of what you realize is happening inexorably. Was it uh, a great song by Jethro Tull, um, Locomotive Breath, off of Aqualung? And uh, you can't even make the train slow down, it says. You can't make the train slow down. Have you ever wondered what that would be like? Or oh, would we do it to, uh, what's the guy's, what's the villain's name? Alan Rickman and uh, Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. And Hans Gruber is falling to his death and they keep the camera on him because he's, I don't know how many stories the Nakatomi you know, building is. But you want that feeling of, I want him to think about this and his errors all the way down. All of us are supposed to be thinking about our errors all the way down. We're picking up speed. The wrath of God is, is on this world. We we're by nature children of wrath. That's what we did. Things that were upsetting to the living God. I need to consider it. What do I do? Because uh, I'm, I'm not saying everybody's going to know what to do. But we're supposed to be considering and looking at. So teach us, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. That's a lovely, that was the memorable verse I pulled out. Teach us to number our days. Not that there is a number that you can figure out, not there is, I think Google is going to tell you how long you're going to live soon. That's promised right on the grudge. Some people are going to believe it. Just like to believe the weatherman. Well, it's going to be sunny tomorrow. We think. 80% chance. And you're going to die by the time you're 95. Teach you to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I don't think it's uh, trying to find out your fate, your destiny, so you can get wisdom. There's this general house of mourning in the Ecclesiastes that says better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting for the living will lay it to heart. You want to lay this to heart. You need to get a heart of wisdom and looking at the sorrow that the wrath of God has poured out on man for his sins. The calamity of life. Man fighting man taking stuff from each other. You want wisdom? Look right at it. Breathe a deep breath and say, God is the place I am in. He's really upset. We've been very bad. We don't have long to process this. I might want to think about it. Because the train's picking up speed. I can't get off. It's going to crash. We need to find the path to the wisdom. We need to find out what the." Statement of the wisdom is. Because it says in verse 13, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on thy servants. Satisfy us in the morning with thy steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. That's what Moses wants. That's what he says. I want this. I want I want gladness, is what I want. Because once you once you pony up to some nihilistic uh, a lot of people don't like my futilitarianism, too bad because there's a great Because as Solomon said, there's nothing better for you to do than enjoy what you're doing, here Moses says, you know, this world is God's, you're a mess this is presumptive this is the life, the short life you're given want to consider that, what are you going to ask God for, you can't dodge that I mean, every example of every life for 6 million, not million, 6,000 years has ended the same way. So, what can you ask him for? I want to be immortal. You better have said, I want to be young and immortal. Because (laughs) nothing quite as attractive as a woman who is 340 years old. Nothing quite like it. What do you want? What do you want to ask him for? Moses wants to have pity, satisfaction. He wants to be glad and rejoice all our days. Now, most people want to ignore or not pay attention to what really is because that's the only way. Throw themselves a birthday party and have a good time and go to Disneyland and always feel good. Look at how bad it is. You were by nature children of wrath. You were without hope or without God in the world. You need to rejoice. You want to be glad. You want to have, make us glad as many days as thou has afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. He said, I want to have them synonymous with each other. Not just like equal. Oh, I got 80 years of depressed anxiety. I would like another 80 years to balance that out of gladness. No, he's, I think he's asking for this gladness and rejoicing to parallel at the same time in the same life. Let thy work be manifest to thy servants and thy glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. That echoes what James is saying. You're going to do the stuff you're going to do. you got the career, you got the point, but you say, God wills, I will function in the lap of the gods. This is what he has given me to enjoy. I am supposed to benefit. Moses is praying for the benefit of my own labor in my life. Establish thou the work of our hands upon us. But in all of this, I mean, this is 1400 BC. You get this kind of dark realism out of Moses. You get the dark realism out of Solomon, of course. You have all sorts of dark realisms down through the history of the Bible, speaking with different degrees of revelation. But when Paul writes in Ephesians, I quote up through verse 3, but then there's another gap, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us. Look at that in verse 13 of Psalm 90. Have pity, satisfy us in the morning with thy steadfast love. The great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, even though when we were dust to dust, even when we didn't deserve anything more than God being upset and punishing us for what we were doing, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's almost synonymous here. Let thy work be manifest to thy servants and thy glorious power to their children. We are able, in spite of the affliction of life, that we're all going to be dead and buried and there's not a special all-souls graveyard. And I don't think the lawn out here is really big enough for once I build my mausoleum, there's not going to be room for anybody else. There is this prayer, there is this hope for the realist that says no, it's not just, once you recognize how rotten it is and how evil people are, people deal with it different way. We deal with it by our God who is holy is also a God who is loving. Our God who is holy and he's going to judge the world and anybody who's flipping him off he knows how to deal with it. He knows how to say, bring them before me and slay them in front of me. Don't think he's not, but he is also for the person who wants to serve him, who wants this. I want the gladness. He gives the gladness. He gives the mercy. He gives the steadfast love. The immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now the basic sum of this, the way as I was looking at this passage and I have it here at the bottom you enlarge your life and it gets smaller every day and you enlarge your God and his mercy, love and favor turns to gladness each day we're trying to build a gladness, we're not trying to build an answer to death The house you build, the lawn you mow, that's not for you fighting off death. It's just gladness. Enjoy it, because that's what God has. God has given you that which can be enjoyed, and he has rewarded you with your labor. You get a good job. The rewards of that labor. Let it be for gladness. You're not heaping up and heaping up so that you can buy some ticket to paradise so that you don't have to face being old at this gig last night at Rooster's Landing in Clarkston, I would have to say most of the audience were senior club, you know, Evans age, all wishing they were a lot younger, all wishing they could dance, and they couldn't. Hanging on, trying to be, trying to be, You're not here to fight off death. You won't. You'll lose. You're not here to get depressed about losing. You're here to look at it squarely and say, what do I pray? What do I do? What do I pursue? Because I don't want to boast. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to just lie down and die. I want to know how to accept the good things of my skills, my talents, my ambition. I know a, a structure of a life. So that I actually live out the gladness of life that Christ brings into my life, so it could go on to generation, so it could minister to the lost, and I'd be a credit to the God in heaven. I know that after I die, I'm going to be with the Lord, but I'm very focused right now on this. Yea, the work of our hands, establish Thou it. It's a phrasing I don't normally use. The translators did. Let's get the heart of wisdom about the number of our days. Let's take this. Eh. The people look into your eyes, and they'll see that strange uh, vacancy that happens when you, the person who has seen things. You're, you go got all sorts You've seen, seen things. You know. You're, oh my gosh. I know. And the kind of that white that you can see all the way around you, iris. You know, Tristan, show them how it's done. There you go. You want to be someone who has seen this, processed it as God asked you to process it, and come up with God's answer. Let's thank him. Dear Lord, we're grateful. Be kind to us. In your son's name, amen.